0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. Today, we are chatting with Zach and Nicole Long, and if you are someone who has a tangible product or maybe even an online service that you have been wanting to get out there to sell, this is the episode for you. Zach and Nicole are experts in the field of e-commerce. They know how to sell just about anything. As a matter of fact, they have helped brands go from startup to over a million dollars a month in sales and they kind of Begin doing this from nothing and then grew multiple six figures themselves. And then from that ended up starting to teach other people exactly how to do that and how to create other seven figure companies. So what I loved most about this episode in this conversation is that they really explain what e-commerce is and they define it to a core sense. They share with us how to start and scale an e-commerce business, which to them is anything either tangible or digital that you want to sell. They talk about why paid marketing, marketing is essential to the success of an e-commerce, the Facebook ad must-haves that every e-commerce should have, how to create a stellar customer service experience, which is key, and what are actually good things to sell via e-commerce. Maybe you have a lot of ideas and you don't know what is kind of the best move to actually product and market. We talk about that. They also share the key to positioning your product for profitability, three key things to quickly fix on your website if it's not converting for you, and then we dive into testimonials and reviews. They share exactly how to get testimonials and reviews for either your product or service even when you don't have any customers yet, even when you haven't had anyone buy yet and they share the three testimonial and review questions that you need to be asking these customers to help you convert more sales. This is such a fun episode. I think you're going to learn a lot. Let's dive in. I am good. It's so great to have you on today and to dive into all things e-commerce and smart founder and startups and growth and scaling, um, which I'm really excited about. So let's just start from what kind of led you both to being the experts that you are in growing e-commerce brands.
1: Yeah. So we have a really interesting story. Um, we we really learned about e-commerce from our own e-commerce brand. Um, we have always had a passion for running businesses. And about, oh, was it four years ago, five years ago, we started a skincare company. <clears throat> and that's where we learned the ropes. And we basically did everything you could think of wrong <laughs> as we were doing that. And um, we had no idea really how to do any of the marketing behind it, even though you know, our backgrounds in business and marketing, when you're selling stuff online, it's completely different, especially when it's your own product. So um, we basically learned how to do ads on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest with all of our savings and basically spent everything on this business until we got down to almost nothing. Uh, and then we accidentally figured out paid advertising and it um From that point, we just kind of learned from these little pieces of the paid ads that were working and kind of scaled it up pretty quickly. So it took us about a year to figure that out with our own brand. And as we were doing that, um, we were connected to a fulfillment center that had a lot of other e-commerce brands. And they started to see our products kind of stacking up in there. And they wondered how we were doing it. So they asked us who was running our marketing. And we said we were. So they you know, asked if we would help them do something similar, like do the same thing for them that we're doing with our own business. And, um, we did kind of one-off consulting things for them and replicated what we did for ourselves for them. And we found that we accidentally kind of started a marketing agency out of that. (laughs) (laughs) So that's really where we learned most of our e-commerce background was first off with our own business. And then with other businesses. And at this point, we've worked with a lot of e-commerce brands. We've got about um, 45 right now that are current clients that, you know, we've been running paid advertising for for a while. And, you know, we're learning new stuff all the time. And that's really why we started The Smart Founder was so we could teach people everything we're learning from all the money that we're spending on paid media and all the sales that those brands are working with are getting.
0: And so what's unique really is that you came from the e-commerce side of actually selling your own services and now, and then from that kind of this, this budding agency to help other e-commerce com- companies market and scale and sell theirs kind of stemmed from that. When yep. you say paid ads and I kind mm-hmm. of, cause I want to get down to like really nitty gritty basics because I think that. I don't want there to be any assumptions or vagueness to the listeners. When you, when you say e-commerce, what does that mean for, for, for your definition and how you work with it? And then when you say paid marketing, mm-hmm. what does that mean for you guys?
1: Yeah. So I love that question. Um, so when, when I say e-commerce, we're speaking specifically to like physical product brands. So brands that are selling fashion apparel, skincare, beauty, anything like a physical product that they're selling online. Those are the types of brand, like e-commerce brands that we work with, um, and then with paid advertising, really our focus is on Facebook and Instagram. I mean that's where we see the most results. So we're doing you know just ads in the Facebook and Instagram feed to reach new people for these brands and help them grow. And that's really where our specialty has been is helping people grow. Like a lot of agencies will just kind of coast with their brands and um, just try to just. See stick around and be there with them. But, you know, the biggest part of what we learned with our own business was understanding, you know, how to invest in inventory and how to do customer service and all these things that you need in place to really have a great brand. And with that, your marketing is what helps you get more people to buy. But at the end of the day, there's so many things that come full circle with having a business to be able to actually really grow.
0: Okay. So I want, I want you to like walk us through all of this. Um, okay. if you're, if you're open to it, um,
1: yeah.
0: how do you create a good customer service experience?
1: Yeah. So I can, I'll start, I'll kick it off and then Nicole can kind of chime in here as well. Cause she is like amazing at customer service, but <laughs> um, so when you're creating an amazing customer service it's experience, not
0: a loaded question at all, no. <laughs> <laughs> what is a business? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I think one of the biggest things that we find is you need to be available to your customers. A lot of brands, you know, and this isn't just e-commerce brands. This is, you know, anybody selling something online, whether that's a training product or a service or a physical product, you know, something that we find is people have this thing in their head where they have to be like untouchable. And that used to be a a thing that worked to sell stuff. But now people want to be able to access, like be able to talk to you as a brand. So the first step of great customer service is really just giving people a way to contact you on your website. And that's not just having a contact form embedded on your website. That's having a phone number, having website chat, having email available. Um, responding to private messages on Instagram and Facebook and just being on top of that and giving very quick, fast responses. Like customer service starts before people buy stuff. And and again, like that goes to everything you're selling online. People want to know how you're going to treat them when they buy something from you. And that's a level of trust that you have to establish with somebody before they ever give you their credit card, no matter how cheap or how expensive your product is.
2: Yeah. I think it goes back to like understanding your customer as well. I think a lot of brands start out and they don't really know exactly who their customer is or who they're speaking to. And I think it starts with that. And sometimes it surprises them who that actually is. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of different than what they had in their head. And I think to be able to gain the trust with your customer, you need to understand who they are, what they need, what they like, how they like to communicate. Yeah. And for
0: those who may be listening, that you know, maybe they're in the beginning stages of starting an e-commerce, and that idea of like, oh, so now do I have to literally be behind my desk on emails all day, every day, reaching out to customer service? What are your ways in efficient sizing that? I think <laughs> I just made up that word, but that's <laughs> that's that what we're going up. with. <laughs>
1: <a good> <laughs> so um, when you're first starting out. You know, uh, there are a lot of apps you can use in various things to help make it more efficient. So one of the things that a lot of people will use are like auto responses to kind of help give people answers to questions through like a knowledge center or a chat app. But I, you know, we find that that kind of like, it makes things way too complicated when you're just starting out. So one thing that we always tell founders that are just getting going is, you got to put in the work if you really want to grow a great a great business or a great brand and that's going to take being available to respond to emails being available to respond to a website chat or social media stuff i mean when we first got started i mean we bootstrapped everything we didn't have any money to pay other people to do stuff for us you know and some people are starting off with that and that's cool but you know, we, every business that we've built and helped build did not have outside funding. So they had to really bootstrap their way and kind of slowly climb their way up. And when you do that, you know, you're working long hours, you're um, making sacrifices. And I remember when we were just getting going, I mean, Nicole and I, we were on our phones all the time, you know, and like always responding to people, you know, there's, there are ways to make it more efficient where you can respond on your phone, which is great. And that's amazing that we have that technology to be able to manage a website chat like someone's just texting you on your phone or respond to emails kind of quickly and on the go. Mm-hmm. but but that's what it takes. You know if you're if you're really wanting to build a great business, and this is a message that we try to get across to everyone, you know there is no easy way to grow a business. There really isn't. and people go into it thinking that it's going to be easy. And it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of sacrifice. and you really have to be like you have to act like a real business owner, you know, and like a real founder. Of a company to grow something great if you really want to do that. And that's why at the end of the day, like you have to you have to be excited about what you're selling in that product or service or whatever it is. Like you have to be passionate about it. Otherwise you're just gonna hate it because it's gonna consume everything you do. So that's my very aggressive way of answering <laughs> your question. <laughs> you I, love it. No, I think that's that's There's the biggest tools, thing. But
2: at the end of the day, it's up to you. Yeah. And it shows. It shows when people kind of outsource everything from the beginning and haven't mm. tackled it themselves and invested their time into it. It shows in their passion and their level of knowledge of their business. So totally. And I've always kind of taught in that way
0: to my students in my community, that even if you don't, especially when it comes to marketing, even if you get to a place that you're not running the day-to-day ins and outs of it, you still have to understand sales and marketing at a core foundational level. If you actually want to have a successful business. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. That's, and that's everything. And to that point, we can talk about this for hours and hours and hours, but that's one thing that people forget when they're starting their brand is like, you have to sell, mm-hmm. you know? And so many people are trying to build this really cool looking brand or really cool looking product. And, you know, they don't think about how they're going to connect with someone to get them to buy or how to how to actually sell it. And it doesn't matter how cool you look. I mean, if you just, if you aren't connecting with people and aren't actually selling to them,
0: for sponsoring the show. Yeah. I mean, just what are you selling? I think, and it's so interesting that you brought that up because re- recently I have a I have a paid um, uh, online coaching, business coaching membership. And um, one of the conversations that we were just having, people were asking all types of questions about finances and taxes and should I start an LLC and what should I do and da, da, da. And at the end of the conversation, <laughs> the most simple question was asked that no one had brought up. It was like, does anyone... Actually, want to talk about profit? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And it was crickets. Yeah, and it 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 showed me. I'm like, they're not even thinking in that way. Yeah, it's easy to get caught up in all the details. And all the details when it's like, why are you worried about an LLC when you're not even selling anything, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Like,
0: you know, I mean, you you have to actually have something to sell, and that should be your focus more than your aesthetic, more than what your press kit looks like more than, you know, um, you know, the same question about Facebook ads, which I know we'll dive into with you guys today too, but a lot of people are, you know, well, should I invest in Nash? And I'm like, would you actually have something that has been proven to sell? Mm. Because yep. the ads aren't going to work in your favor if you actually don't have something on to some organic capacity yeah. that you have actually sold. For yeah. sure. You have an ROI to prove that and you have a demographic to, to show for that. Yeah. Um, so I love that you brought that up. So with that said, you know what are good things to sell via e-commerce? That's my first question. And my <laughs> second question does e-commerce mean it's, it has to be a tangible physical product that would go to a distribution center? Or would e-commerce also be considered things that, for example, that I sell, like online courses that are completely digital?
1: Yeah. You know, there's... It, both of them would be considered e-commerce. And, you know, there's there's just different methods of selling those things, right? So um, kind of focusing on physical product first you know, the best kinds of products that we've seen sell online are products that solve a problem for somebody, right? Same thing with digital too. You know, like you're selling something that actually is going to make someone's life easier or better. Those are the easiest types of things to sell. So like skincare products, beauty, like things that are helping people um, have a resolution to something in their life. Um, But that can even translate into fashion and apparel. If you have a piece of, um, if you have like a, you know, a hat that, you know, is packable or something, you know, like that's a feature that people want in something that makes it unique and makes them want it, you know, yeah. it makes them want to buy it.
2: It's not a particular niche. It's just a particular need Yeah, or like unique selling point.
1: Exactly. It all comes <laughs> back to that unique selling point. And it yeah. goes back to exactly what we were just saying about being able to sell something. I, mean, I, I feel like you can sell pretty much. Any kind of product online, but you have to be able to position it in a way that makes people feel like they need it. You know, you're selling the you know you're selling the benefits and not the features of the product. It's kind of the best way to look at it, um, and that translates to you know digital products as well. It's just we just found that with physical products, um, it's easier to get people to buy a tangible product online without having to nurture them as much because. Mm-hmm they can see it they understand it because they've been buying physical products for so long it's not something that they've never experienced before so there's a lot less nurturing involved so right. it's it's easier to get them to buy those things the challenge with those kinds of businesses though is it takes a lot of capital to be able to grow right and that's a struggle for those brands is because they're very low in cash flow you can make, you can have an e-commerce business that's doing $300,000 a month in sales and you still can't pull a salary because you have to reinvest everything back in inventory and back right. into your marketing. But with you know digital products the barrier to entry is harder but you can scale a lot faster with those if you if you've done it correctly and that's where you really have to master sales and positioning and taking people on that journey and trusting you that you can actually deliver what you're saying you're going to deliver and with those you're promising you're basically selling results right? You're not selling your program. You know, you're not right. selling the greatest program for whatever, like, you know, selling a hundred thousand dollars a month online, you're selling results for that person. So, um, that's really the biggest difference between those two is the, the physical products are really fun and they're easier to be able to buy, but the cash flow is smaller than digital products.
0: Right. And it takes all the inventory yep. and, you know, distribution and warehouses and mailing and all of that stuff.
1: Yeah, there's a lot more technical pieces. We're actually, we are we we know that space really well and we're very passionate about it. But one of the things that we're also very passionate about is people that are selling services and selling like a digital product. So like influencers that are selling a service, right? We're very passionate about that. People that are selling some sort of skill that they have, whether that's, you know, one-on-one with somebody or through some sort of digital program. And there's so, so much there for people to create for a lifestyle that they want, you know, they can make whatever they want, as long as they're willing to put in the work for it, you know, but it all comes down to being able to position it and understand and be passionate about it.
0: Mm, I love that. And I love that you mentioned it's, you know, people don't buy programs, they buy results. Yeah. yeah. Whereas something, you know, tangible, um, and even the difference between, buying a pair of jeans and buying a pair of shoes are going to be vastly dis- different. The sh- mm-hmm. shoes are going to be a much easier uh, impulse buy yep. because the size never changes. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Pretty much know what it's going to look like on you. um, And and it is what it is. Whereas jeans, shirts, things like that, it's like, well, is it going to fit me right? Is it going to be too long, too short? Is it going to, you know, and it's, so I think that that was a great analogy that you used that you know, and I can even attest in my own business with programs in, in the, all the years I've been doing this, I've probably spent, I don't know, 20% of my time actually creating the content in the program and 80% of my time marketing, tweaking, pivoting, surveying, mm-hmm. et, cetera, et cetera, which to me all falls under marketing and scaling. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I love
2: That's that you like said it. pivoting. Yes. I feel like people forget that key. Yes. They think I'm just going to set it up and go. And then it's, that's And then then it's just, it's 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 evergreen forever
0: on automation. And I just get to sleep and make money. And it's, you know, you should constantly be looking back and how do we tweak this? How can we up level? There's always an up level. How do you make it better than it was before? Exactly. That's, and that's where, you know, the customer service comes in Mm -hmm. and that feedback. Um, Hey, wanted to make sure that you knew about the free masterclass I'm doing, where I share with you the top five mistakes, even the most successful entrepreneurs make and how to overcome them. Head on over to the influenceracademy.org slash webinar to sign up and get all the details. So with that said, um, I want to kind of talk about kind of shifting into marketing a little bit more. So we've covered customer service experience how to really kind of start an e-commerce, commerce, e-commerce business. What are things, good things to sell? Um, why paid marketing is essential. But when it comes to paid marketing, and I want to specifically focus on Facebook and Instagram ads, what are some of the must-haves generally um, that every e-commerce should be looking at or should, or should have? when it comes to Facebook ads. And this is another one that I think that it's like, even if you don't run and manage your Facebook ads, you have to understand them to a certain degree Mm -hmm. to know what to look for, to make sure that you're actually getting a really strong return on ad spend. Yeah. And you're top of funnel strong. And you know, all of those details that kind of go into play with Facebook ads based off of what your goals are. But from your experience, what have you seen that is is a must in order to have really healthy return on ad spend.
2: Well, first of all, focusing on return on ad spend. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people they get caught up in different engagement numbers and details that don't really matter at the end of the day. So bottom line, starting with looking at that number and that number, you know, first and foremost.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think whenever that whenever you're you're not getting a return with your ads. I would say nine times out of 10, the reason the ads aren't working is because the product isn't positioned correctly. So um, a lot of brands approach marketing like a, you know, a humongous Fortune 500 company that has unlimited budgets. Right. They're going into it and they're thinking, I'm gonna have a really cute one-liner and a really cute image and it's gonna sell my product.
2: Minimal and vague.
1: Yeah. And that's the biggest mistake <laughs> that you can make when you're running ads because your ads aren't going to work unless you're clearly articulating that unique selling point of your product. And we talk about, we mention the unique selling point all the time because it is, it is the one thing that consistently gets ads to convert. But it's the biggest struggle for most business owners because it's not easy to Articulate that without feeling like you're being kind of cheesy, in a way, you know. So, but we always recommend to kind of try to step out of your comfort zone and do that because you're in the business to make money, right? You you got to make a living, and if you're not sacrificing your branding side of you just a little bit to do that, then you're going to have some hard challenge, like hard a hard road ahead, you know. So with with ads, Facebook is so dialed in with audiences that you you really don't have to get super specific with your audience on Facebook for them to find people to buy. So anyone can run ads. The one thing that's going to make a great campaign versus a very bad campaign really is what's in the creative of that ad. Mm -hmm. And if you're saying enough in it. And one thing that we found works really well is when you give as much information as you can up front before they click to your website, it kind of primes them to buy a lot Mm -hmm. faster. So in your ad copy, actually talking about your product and what it does and why, why you created it and, you know, get as much information there as you can so that people are primed. And before they even hit your website, they feel like they want it, you know? Right. And that's where you get your best bang for your buck with those as well.
0: Awesome. I love that. Thank you for walking us through that. Um, And I also want to chat a little bit about, you know, if you start to see, we talked about if you start to see ads not converting, you know, you may want to look at your ad copy and the creatives and really what's happening there. What if you see that your sales page or your website is not converting? What are some key tips to go in and kind of shift some of those strategies?
1: Yeah. So there's, there's, there's like three key things for your website or a landing page or a product page that can help it convert better. And usually when a page isn't converting, it's missing these three things. So the first is, the first thing people see when they hit your website needs to have, it needs to be a, some sort of headline that tells them the problem that your product is solving or what your product is doing. It can't just say like, hey, this is an amazing, you know, pair of shoes. It's got to literally list off the benefits of that product in the headline that gets people to want to keep reading. The second thing that typically works really well is telling some sort of story on that page. So um, kind of telling your story about why you created the brand and why you created the product and the problem is solved for you. And if you have troubles creating that story, we have this like three-question formula that works really well for anyone that's struggling to write that story. And it's basically, you know, the first question is what was life like before you created your product? Um, The second question is why did you create your product? Why and how? And the third question is what is life like now that you've created it? And what this does is it takes you on that, it basically forces you to talk about the pain to, you know, why you created what you created to your, you know, the desired result after you created it. Um, So that, and it can be just a paragraph, but that typically helps a page convert better. And then the last thing really is reviews. And this is actually the most important thing. Yeah. That should be number one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That should be number one. (laughs) Having reviews on on everywhere on your website, product pages, homepage, and landing pages.
2: And that sounds simple, but people really underestimate that. Mm-hmm. Reviews and testimonials. Yeah. What, if you, what if you're
0: just starting out and you don't have reviews or testimonials for this specific product or service? What is something else you could
2: do? So one idea that Zach had, well, why don't you tell Yeah. <laughs> so
1: um, something, that, something that we typically tell brands to do is send your product to as many people in your network as you can to get them to leave a review for you. Yeah. So that could be a physical product, or you know, if you're selling a training program, do that.
0: And this um, is kind of like where influencer seating would come in, right? Like you take exactly. you take people who who either target your ideal customer or who are your ideal customer, and say, yep. you know, I'm going to give you this product, or I'm going to give I'm going to give you access to this, and it, in exchange for a review or testimonial. Exactly. Oh, for sure, people are
2: really awesome. willing. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the biggest things that brands miss out on with that is collecting video reviews from people.
2: Um, Video
1: reviews are so important, no matter like for everything you're selling, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, like you need to have video reviews. And that's another thing that you would follow that same three-step question formula for you ask them, you, you send that to them because if you ask people for a video review, you know they're going to kind of freeze up and they're going to send you a video that's just like i love this brand it's so it's so amazing and they're not going to really talk about why they bought the product and no right. one really connects with that it just kind of feels fake but if you have them you know talk about again like what was life like before you bought the product what made you decide to buy it and what's life like now that you've been using it it forces them to tell a story and to talk about you know their, where they were and where they got after they bought the product you know and it kind of sets the connection point up for potential buyers because they're going to relate to that. And that helps. It help. It just gives you so much. You can embed those videos everywhere on your website. You can use them in ads. You can use them everywhere. And those are, those really are the biggest conversion tool that you can get for whatever you're selling online.
0: Amazing. So good. (laughs) Um, When it comes to, I guess I want to talk more about that pivoting piece because I know that we mentioned it earlier. Um, What are some of the things from your perspective should people be looking at when it comes to scaling, right? You've created it. You've seen some success. Maybe you're starting to to plateau or get stagnant. What should you be looking at? How should you pivot? What should you be tweaking? Where should those focuses be?
1: Yeah. Oh, man, that's a good question. (laughs) So when you're scaling, I'm going to I'm going to uh so we'll speak to a fit like a physical product and then also like a training product, type person or a service that will kind of hit all three of those. So awesome. when you're a when you're selling like a physical product online, you know, the the fastest way that you can scale is by focusing. So it's it's by focusing on the products that are selling the most, so your best sellers. So you let's say you have 10 different products, and really only two of them are like sell out consistently. The only way you're going to scale and grow is by keeping those two in stock all the time. Otherwise, it's going to be really challenging to build momentum and grow. And the struggle that a lot of physical product business owners run into is they don't want to do that because they feel like things are getting stale. They're like, I don't want to keep the same, just have yeah. the same products all the time because people are going to get sick of it and blah, blah, but in reality every new person that sees your brand like that's new it's it's fresh so you have this constant cycle of everything you have is fresh for anyone new that's coming to your website but then that comes on your onto your question about pivoting and it's really understanding it, how you can create products that keeps people coming back to buy more because one of the biggest cash flow opportunities for every business is repeat buyers so if you can have Products that they're going to come back, whether that's the same product, and that's why we like you know health and beauty and skincare is because they come back and buy the same thing all the time. You know, it's a little less you you innovate a little less, but if you're selling fashion and apparel, like just having like products that they would come back and buy, you know, but making sure that you balance how you're investing in those top sellers versus that kind of stuff. That's
2: yeah, that's probably the one number one moment for us with businesses of when they're stagnant or they're not growing is that they're way too like invested too wide instead of deep. And so their best sellers run out mm-hmm. and they don't have the ability to keep those in stock and they're just thinking I have to have a million things and it's like well you're not scaling up and you're not growing because your best sellers keep running out and that is like the number one yeah. pivoting moment of like okay you need to double down mm-hmm. on these five things on what's actually working. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: And and then from like a service business perspective it's how can you, like your, your focus becomes kind of like exactly what you were saying. Like, how can you pivot in a way to still have the same service that you deliver, but upsell your current cust- like current clients on something new, that's just going to help you make a little more money. And that's where like the branded content example for, you know, influencers that are working with brands. That's a really great upsell because if a brand is paying them to post you know, the upsell of a branded content type deal is really great because you're increasing the value of that customer for you as someone who's like selling a service. Um, And then for training products, it's really about um, that, you know, graduated ladder model where you're taking people from your introductory product to like uh, a mid-tier type product that's maybe just like twice as much as the entry level one, and then finally like a top tier one. It's like a master class kind of thing, you know. So that's that graduation model where you're taking people on that journey to kind of keep investing in you while you're investing in them.
2: I think a big moment too for probably digital products, you know, physical products, is like not only pivoting but learn when not to pivot. Yeah. So I think that a lot of people in both those spaces. They want to do everything (laughs) and they want to like try different things and sell different things. And you get kind of like confused and your customers get confused. And I think it comes down to like really focusing and like honing in on what you're good at and what you're selling, no matter what that is. Yeah. So I think that's like a kind of a game changing moment for people Mm -hmm. is figuring out what that is and then going full blast on that.
1: Yeah. And then, and maybe even people that are just getting started in all of these spaces but especially selling some sort of training program is you have to launch a version one. Like yes. the first thing you launch, isn't going to be amazing. It's, no, not gonna it's be actually awesome.
0: going to be really shitty. Yeah. yeah you're <laughs> going to be really embarrassed,
1: <laughs> but you have, you have to get it out there because you'll never, yeah. like you were saying earlier, like you have to take the feedback from people to make it better.
0: Yeah. And
1: like one thing that we're incorporating in our programs is at the end of the program, asking people to just send us an email with questions they may still have, or Mm -hmm. if we weren't super clear on something in the program to let us know so that we can add it in there and make it better for everyone, because you're going to have endless versions of this stuff. and Absolutely. Those are the pivots.
2: Yeah. It's just getting better. And those are your clients. Those are your customers. Listen to them. Yeah. Pivot based on what the feedback they're giving is. is. That's exactly what we do. (laughs) And I even call it kind of
0: like the Kardashian model because it's like, yes, they are who they are because they literally create what their audience wants. It's like, they don't care if they create, you know, lipsticks or body contouring shapewear. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> that's what their audience wants. And, and you, I learned so, I mean, it's so simple, yet people make it so much harder than it needs to be. Yeah. And that's really, you know, once you create something, we do the same thing. We have in course surveys. So every, every module in our program at the end of the module has a survey specific to that module with specific questions in it. So we know that once a year or whenever we go back to add more value to that program, we literally pull from those surveys. Yeah, I love that. And it's there, you know? And so and it makes it so much easier to know where to pivot and to know where to not pivot and to know where to go all in and all the things that we're talking about. Because the data and the information and the wealth of knowledge is there. You've got people in real time going through this program and letting you know, You know what was the biggest takeaway? What was the biggest challenge? What still came up for you? What would what would be more helpful for you in this moment? And um and and it it really does help tremendously. And you know the Kardashians do it too in their own way. You know on their stories. Do you like this shade or do
2: you like that shade? Do you like this tube or do you like that tube? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't have to be major. It can be small. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the smallest couple people can. I mean, there's this quote that's like, so it is small as it is big or something Mm -hmm. like that. But it's like, if those few people that are your core customers are telling you that, then guarantee that everyone else is thinking similar things or has similar questions. So. Absolutely. And that just goes back to what you both were just saying of
0: the first, you you just have to get it out there. You have to take action. You have to get it out there, get out of the perfectionism thing Mm -hmm. and just put it out there and knowing that you're only going to go up from here. It's not like you're creating the greatest thing you've ever done. And then you're going to be going down.
2: Like there's only levels up after this. Oh, absolutely. I think every day, if you're not somewhat uncomfortable and embarrassed, then you're not doing it right.
1: Yeah. And that's, you know what, that's a really good point. And, you know, that's the biggest hurdle that people have when they're starting a business or thinking about starting one, no matter what it is, you know, they're so afraid and, just so afraid to to start, you know. But you can't ever make progress unless you start. And you know, we we've worked with a lot of e-commerce brands. But when we started our agency, we we were horrible at customer service. We were horrible at you know actually running ads. We just got better because we were practicing with a lot of people. <laughs> and um, we were it was scary, but we didn't really think about it. But you know, there were moments where we were wondering. Should we be doing this, or like, are we doing this right? And we just kept going, and it was the fact that we just kept going that helped us do that. And you know now you know our our marketing side of our business, I mean it's a seven figure business and it's doing awesome. but it started from us month to month for like two or three years, just trying to figure out how to make it work, you know, yeah, and that's something that you know, if you want to start a business, like you know very, very, very few businesses happen overnight very few and everyone's heard this before right but you know once you actually do it you're like oh man that's so true and you just it gets you fired up because that gets, it makes you empowered to do other things you just have to get through your first
0: right well, and speaking of your business, I would love for you to chat more about that. Um, the smart founder. Yeah. Uh, what it exactly, I mean, I know we've talked about what it is, but you know, <laughs> where your zone of genius really is, like what yeah. to expect from your agency and who is your ideal customer? Yeah. Brian.
1: Yeah. So um, the smart founder is actually separate from our agency. Um, the smart founder, we, we created the smart founder as a way for us to share our knowledge at, at a bigger scale. Um, when you're working um, with like a done for you type thing, which is our agency, it's very difficult to have the, the reach and to help as many people as you wanna help. So the smart founder is our way to share all this knowledge that we have on building online businesses and the three different verticals, physical products, service-based businesses, and like digital commerce helping people start and grow those businesses without all the complication of starting and growing those businesses. Like so many people are teaching people how to start businesses and they're overcomplicating it. And we have so many things that we've replicated for dozens of e-commerce brands, people selling stuff online that, I mean, they're doing, you know, half a million a month in sales. And so many things that we've been able to replicate for them that they're not hard things. It's like what Nicole says, as it is small, it is big, (laughs) right? (laughs) So like like the big, the things that we're doing for these larger brands, like they they start at a smaller scale. And there's a lot of things that people do that are just like a waste of money that really will prevent them from actually being able to grow a business. So the smart founder is, um, it's, there's two levels to it. We have our training programs where we teach people how to do stuff. And then there's like one-on-one training where we teach people how to bring things that they're outsourcing in-house. Those are like the two tiers to it. And really it's about simplifying growing a business so that people, anybody that wants to do it can do it. And it doesn't mean they have to have this goal of building a million dollar company you know, and, you know, there are a lot of people that just want to freelance on the side and make a couple extra thousand dollars a month. Like those people too, are business owners, they're their founders and they're, they're doing something great, you know, and we're here for all those levels of people to help them do it effectively without all the complicated mess of trying to weed through what's right and what's wrong.
0: Awesome. And then who is your ideal client that you not only love working with, but that you really feel like your expertise really helps them grow and scale?
1: Yeah. So our ideal client is somebody who is either wanting to start a business or they've been in business for a year or two and they've been struggling to grow. That's like the ideal person that'll find the most value from what we're doing. Because we find that people that have successful businesses and they've been in business for a while, um, they've already learned a lot of this stuff, you know? So we're trying to really distill it down and simplify it for people that are either wanting to get going or struggling to grow.
0: Amazing. And then do they have to be in business for a certain amount of years?
1: No, you know, if you're struggling for five or 10 years, you're still game. You're fair game. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, well, where can people go to learn more about the work that you do? And then also, I mean, we'll make sure to add it in our show notes and all of that good stuff, but um the best place to connect with you on social.
1: Yeah, so two places. One, our website, thesmartfounder dot com. Um, go there, subscribe to our newsletter to you know, stay in the loop on all of our new blogs and podcasts and videos that we're doing. Uh, but then YouTube is a channel that, you know, we have and, and, the list of things for us to really excel at, you know, again, like, you know, the smart founder has been around for a while, but you know, we're not, um, to be completely transparent. We're not people that share our personal life a lot <laughs> on like Instagram or yeah. Facebook or anything, but we've had
2: a lot of <laughs> undercover success, but now we're trying to figure out, okay.
1: Yeah. So let's promote ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So YouTube is the place to get the most value from us awesome. in terms of free value.
0: And what is that YouTube uh, name or link?
1: Yeah, it's youtube.com slash the smart founder.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for being here today and sharing so much good information. I can't wait for our listeners to share their feedback and what they loved most about today's episode. Um, And with that said, if you're listening, make sure to tag me on Instagram, hashtag the influencer podcast and share your screenshot of today's episode. So I can share those on my stories too and we can let them know what you loved and the biggest takeaways um, because that just helps us continue to create and add value for you guys and keep bringing some incredible guests like today on to share their wisdom. So thank you for those listening and thank you both for being here. I really think that this conversation is going to ignite a lot of new creative ideas and different ways of thinking when it comes to marketing and scaling. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having us.